minutes ago. I'm looking real good in my passport photo. Amateur Traveler, episode 316. Today, the Amateur Traveler talks about Buffalo and zip lines and Avalon as we go to Catalina Island in Southern California. Welcome to the Amateur Traveler. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Before we get into this week's interview, I do have two news stories for you. In the first news story, it's bad enough to have lost luggage, but it's worse to have someone steal from your luggage. Probably worse steal for Rita Lambert, who is a 69-year-old woman who had to gate-check a bag that she was planning on carrying onto the plane. It had $160,000 worth of jewelry, which was stolen. Now, of course, this leaves me with three questions. One, why would anyone have $160,000 worth of jewelry? Two, why would they feel it necessary to bring on vacation? And three, why would they ever allow it out of their sight, even when the choice is not to fly, which was the choice that she was given? The second story has the title, Families May Have to Pay Extra to Sit Together on a Flight. And it's not that the airlines are charging a family sit-together tax, but what's happening is, since they're starting to charge for premium seats, their flexibility to just switch passengers around, as they've often done to get a family to sit together, is not going to be quite as flexible in the future. So book early, possibly pay more for a couple premium seats if you want to sit together, Get to the airport early and be nice to the flight attendants who may have to help you. For links to both of those stories, check out the show notes at AmateurTraveler.com. I'd like to welcome to the show Carrie from CruiseBuzz.net, who has come to talk to us about Catalina Island. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be able to talk to you guys today about Catalina Island, one of my favorite places. And let's put it on a map because unless you're from California, you may not know where Catalina is. Okay, so basically Catalina Island is a little island off the coast of Southern California. It's about 22 miles south-southwest of Los Angeles. So the island itself is kind of shaped. There's like two little parts to it with an isthmus in between. And it's pretty famous for a lot of reasons, and we're going to talk about those later, I'm sure. So people can get to Catalina Island. This is going to be a question I'm sure that they're dying to know is how do I actually get there? Most visitors that will go to Catalina Island will do so by a ferry boat. So you can get on a ferry from Los Angeles or San Pedro or up by where I am by Newport Beach in California. So those are the easy access points for people. So it's a two little islands And that's going to come in later when we discuss sort of logistics and where to go, because it's hard to get around the island, so to speak. So we're going to have to decipher if you go to the little part or the big part. And let's start with why should I go to Catalina? The perfect person that wants to go to Catalina Island is going to probably do so in conjunction with a trip to California. Most likely maybe a stopover on a tour of Southern California. So going to Catalina Island is kind of like stepping back in time. It's a great location for people to go that want to just kind of get away from things and visit sort of a typical California seaside village. So it attracts a lot of different visitors. The adventure traveler loves to go there and get into the interior. The luxury traveler can go there and go to the spa and enjoy five-star hotels. And then there's something in between as well. You alluded to it 
a little earlier, but Catalina used to be probably a more popular destination even than it is today. You're probably right. You're probably referring to the history of Catalina Island, mm -hmm. which has been famous in the media and it's been a filming location. It's also the hideaway of the Wrigley Gum family, if you're familiar with them. In the sense that they owned much of the island, as I recall. Yeah, so the chewing gum magnate, William Wrigley, and the author, Zane Gray, are two of the most notorious, famous California island inhabitants. Also, you can see on the island of Catalina the casino building. It's one of the iconic architectural features found on Avalon Bay. That was an actual casino where people came and hung out in the 20s and 30s. So that's available. That's now part of the Catalina Island Museum. The movie star people used to retreat over there. They liked to go over there and hang out because of its proximity to Los Angeles. It was a nice way to get away from the hustle and bustle of the early Hollywood days. Just get on a boat. Before the commercial ferry boats were popular, a lot of people from the L.A. area would take their own boats or their yachts over to Catalina Island. And you can see that still today. There's a huge boating population that goes there and moors and, and hangs out. So if you don't have your own boat, then you'll probably be one of the people coming over to the island from one of the various ferries. And if you were Earl Flynn or somebody like that who was a big Hollywood star in that era, the fact that you could go someplace where you had to have a boat to get there meant that it kept a lot of the a lot of the riffraff away too and maybe even some of the press. That's exactly right. So Catalina Island is actually a pretty popular location for filming because of the rugged landscape. You know, it's pretty wide open and it's relatively cheap to film over there. So the Catalina Chamber of Commerce actually helps film filmers get over there to shoot. So that's kind of fun. And what kind of itinerary would you recommend? If you were taking on Catalina and taking a friend there, how much time would you allot? And then you mentioned multiple different things to see. How would you plan out a trip to Catalina? Well, okay, so I think that it's going to depend on how many days that you're going to go to Catalina Island. You could do Catalina Island in a day. I did it in two days. I probably wish that I would have had one more day. So there are many different itineraries available for going to Catalina Island. I would recommend spending three days. That's about the average amount of time that it will take for visitors to really do the island right. So let's pretend that you are a pretty active adult. If you're bringing kids with you on your trip, then they're pretty rugged. They're going to want to get off the beaten path and see the interior of Catalina Island. So for three days to see everything on Catalina Island, you're going to need to be physically fit and able to really take advantage of the active lifestyle that's available. So the first day you get there, you're going to take a ferry. Most likely your ferry boat's going to leave from one of the terminals in Southern California, maybe Los Angeles or Newport Beach. Those are the most popular ones. Then you're going to arrive to Catalina Island. You're probably going to come over to Avalon. It's the fastest and easiest and most populated area. It's going to have the most bang for your buck in terms mm -hmm. of getting the best hotel values. There's a wide variety of hotels and also there's camping. So either way, people are going to take the ferry, arrive over to the island probably 1030 in the morning and then figure out how to get their gear and themselves to the hotel. 
the island itself, you're not going to rent a car because mm-hmm. there aren't any cars, really. There's cars for people that live there, but you're not going to rent a car. You might rent a golf cart to take you to your hotel, or the hotel concierge can help you figure out how to get there. So once you get to the hotel, obviously you're going to miss the check-in time because that's not until the afternoon. So you're going to dump all your stuff and then get off and start exploring. My first stop would be to the Catalina Island Chamber of Commerce. They have information booths located all over Avalon. One is on the Green Pier, historic, iconic green color. You can't miss it. And then there's another one by a really cool miniature golf. So day one is just going to be spent sort of getting to the island, figuring out where you're located. And I hate to say it, but if you have people with you that got sick on the boat over because it's kind of rough. (laughs) I think that got into the one question I usually ask is one warning. And that is our warning here. Yep. Okay, that is the warning because I will tell you that the boat ride over is going to be going against the current. Mm -hmm. And so when I went there and I've been on a lot of ships, I was like getting kind of green and I was not the only one. So just forewarned. Two questions. One is in terms of times of year to go, is there a time of year one that the crossing is a little easier in terms of smoother? You know, that's a great question. I think that when it's not stormy winter weather is probably a good time. And that also leads to the question of what really is the best time to go to Catalina. Mm -hmm. The best time to go to Catalina Island so that you can experience less crowds is going to be right at the beginning of the summer season and right in the fall. Shoulder season. Okay. And then in terms of ferries, I think there are multiple different speed ferries too, as I recall. That's right. So you can take a high-speed ferry over. It's kind of like a hydrofoil. It floats up on the water. Which is, I'm guessing the high-speed ferry might be a little easier on those who get a little more motion sick. But I don't know. You know, you would think that. But the key to that is just really sitting outside. Sure. My son, who was with me, insisted that we sit inside. And that's where all the sick people were. So... He was worried that Moby Dick was going to show up. So he's been reading way too many books and thought that we were on the ocean and that there was going to be, you know, whales jumping all over. So so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that your son is elementary school age. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. My young son, who was at that time in kindergarten with a very active imagination, loved the concept of the boat, but then when it started going and it was foggy because it was early morning Southern California marine layer. Right. So all of those sort of elements transpired against us. However, I will say on the way home, you usually go home on the afternoon ferries when you do decide to go home. The weather was beautiful, the fog layer had burned off, and the water was a lot calmer. So it really does depend on, uh, obviously, the currents and what's happening. And it's not that long of a journey. So even on the hydrofoil, the high-speed boat. Right. Take your boning, sit outside. The other thing we should say, since you mentioned it, in terms of, for those people who aren't used to California weather, you could easily wake up even on a summer day and think, oh my gosh, this is a bad day to go to Catalina. Look how cloudy it is. That's not necessarily clouds. That might be just our fog, which can often burn off by 10 o'clock. And that's just kind of a typical day for us. When my wife first came to California, she went outside in June and said, oh, look, it's going to rain today. And we said, no, it's June. 
and to call that we call that June gloom. Yeah, it doesn't rain in June, but we do get the morning fog. Yeah, so the first day you're going to just get your lay of the land. I'm assuming that the person is going to want to go to Avalon, mm -hmm. go to a hotel, or find one of the campsites. They do have really nice campgrounds in and around Avalon, and actually, for that matter, all over Catalina. So backpackers can get over onto that island and really get into the backcountry, so to speak, mm -hmm. and experience the island as well. So for the average visitor spending three days, you'll arrive to Avalon early morning, go take all your gear, drop it off, and then start exploring around. Now, Catalina Island is a seasonal resort area, so most of the more popular attractions are only opened during the peak season. Okay. So zip lining, they've just put in a new zip line ride outside of Avalon, which is super, super fun. They've cut a line through the trees. So that's actually pretty exciting. You can rent pedal boats, so that's kind of more of a mellow thing. They have segways that you can rent. And the pedal boats are more for like in the harbor area. Yes, in the harbor of Avalon. So Avalon, the town is right adjacent to Avalon Harbor. Mm -hmm. And inside of Avalon Harbor, it is actually a very popular boat destination. So there's lots and lots and lots of boats that are moored there. Mm -hmm. What's fun is to watch all the different dinghies, like all the people, they bring their dinghies into town and take them out. So that's really exciting. If it's July 4th weekend, it's super crowded, and it also has the most amazing fireworks show over the bay. So that's fun to look at. Another a popular thing that people might do on the first day is to rent a golf cart and then kind of take a tour of the Avalon area, which is sort of fun because you can take a little golf cart tour up into the mountain and then down and back through Avalon in the area. So when you get to Avalon, you're going to notice immediately that it's where the mountains meet the sea, literally. So mm -hmm. the town itself is really little. You can walk all over the place to get up into the mountainside, which is where some of the hotels are and rental units and campsites you are gonna to need to figure out how to get there. A rental of a golf cart is a fast way to do that. It's also a good way to tour. A little tip about the rental golf carts, they only take cash, so you can't use your credit card. Okay. So make sure that you bring enough cash for that. Another thing I haven't really gotten into yet is the huge, huge diving and snorkeling culture of Catalina Island. The underwater area is world famous. Divers come from around the world to go diving at the kelp beds. So I'm not going to assume that people are going to do that on the first day because it's just kind of too much to do, especially, you know, a lot of divers really like to go early in the morning when the water's calmer. Mm -hmm. So I would save that for the second day. So then the next day, if you're still in the Avalon area, I'd probably go and I would take a history tour of Catalina and check out the Catalina Island Museum. Mm -hmm. That includes going to the casino ballroom and seeing the Avalon Theater. And if you want to go diving, they have a really easy access point to go dive in the kelp beds right off of the casino. It's called Casino Dive Park. So beach diving, you can go right up from the beach, you're saying? Yeah, is that what the, I'm not a diver, mm -hmm. so I don't know. Beach diving or shore diving, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's a really easy place to just jump right in there and get started on your underwater tour. The zipline is also really fun. I mentioned that. So in Catalina, 
by Avalon, there's a beach that's called Descanso Beach, D-E-S-C-A-N-S-O. That area has a little sort of beach resort feel to it. And that is also the area where you will go and find the zip line, if that's what you want to do. Now, this isn't just any kind of zip line. The zip line is actually an eco tour. So it's kind of a combo. So it's not just let's go on the zip line. People that go on it are actually going to go high into the canyon area and then go from the higher points up above the canyon and then they zip line down towards the beach to the Descanso beach area. So it's a thrill. And if that's something that people are interested in doing, I'd recommend getting tickets ahead of time. So I mentioned earlier the Catalina Chamber of Commerce has fantastic information booths that give out lots of information, and that's something that they can help with bookings for. So that's what I would do. Now, another thing that I might do is go kayaking and just paddle along the coastline to see sort of the natural rugged California coast. So a visitor that's going to Catalina Island, they're going there to sort of get away from everything and kind of connect in with the natural landscape and the eco-structure that's found on Catalina Island. So that's one of the biggest draws of going over there is to really connect in with the marine life and the canyons and the interior of the island because it's very specific to the landscape of this area. So that's definitely something that I would do. So we're already on day two and day two is kind of spent doing more of those active things that people like to do. And when we say active things like people like to do, the ones you've mentioned, hiking, sailing, snuba, parasailing. I mean, there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of things going on there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's all stuff that's taking place around Avalon. Now, the flip side of this is that it's also a little bit touristy, and it's also a little bit pricey. Uh-huh. Any place that offers snuba, I sort of assume is touristy. And the parasailing, too. But it's yep, kind of yeah. fun to see. But mm-hmm. the snorkeling lovers, I've talked about Descanso Beach. Now, I liked it over there. It was really nice. It's been newly remodeled. It's kind of a deluxe luxury kind of hangout place they have a bar there they Mm -hmm. have live music they have a beautiful lawn they have massage cabanas they have lunch and then you can see the zip line now that could appeal to some people and then other people are like um i thought she was talking about the infrastructure and the eco environmental aspect of this great place So it's kind of a duality. So there's something for people that want a little bit of that five-star pampering experience. And then now going back to and off of this spectrum in the opposite direction, we have Lover's Cove, which is a famous snorkeling spot. We have the kelp beds, which are very, very popular for divers. That's assuming people have their gear or they're renting gear and they're off and they're running. Another activity for those that don't want to spend a lot of money but want to experience the surrounding area is to go up and go hiking, as you just mentioned, and get up into the interior. To do that, you got to kind of get probably going to have to take a tour or find somebody with a car. So those are going to be a little bit harder things to do, but there's some great hikes like 
going up what's called Hermit Gulch Trail or connecting to the Trans-Catalina Trail. So those are popular hikes. If you brought your camping gear, then I would recommend maybe going to Hermit Gulch Campground and just kind of hanging out and doing that kind of thing. So there's something for everybody. And what sort of things are we going to see on a hike, for instance? Okay, so if you're interested in getting off the beaten path and going up into the interior for a little hike around Catalina Island, some of the things that you might see besides the natural flora and fauna found in this area are the famous buffalo and also the what is called the wild boar. Now, once I was camping over there and there were actually wild boars. So the buffalo is not as prevalent as it was maybe in the old days, but it's certainly an icon of Catalina Island. So if you do see one, you might be wildly surprised. Now, I would be surprised because having grown up in California, wild boar is something we have up in the mountains normally. Buffalo, not so much. My understanding is the buffalo were actually introduced as extras for a movie in 1924. That is correct. They brought the buffalo and then they actually left them behind and then they just stayed there. And wasn't it kind of funded by Wrigley? They were introduced for the filming of Zane Gray's silent film version of The Vanishing American. Aha. Uh-huh. And so do people actually remember Zane Gray? I've certainly heard of his books. Okay, so in the early days of Catalina Island, there were 14 actual buffalo that were turned loose on the island for use in the Vanishing American Zane Gray movie. So that started with 14 buffalo, and then they were just turned loose. So there's a Zane Gray hotel outside of Avalon, and that is a really funky, old-fashioned sort of hotel. Some say it's haunted. Others don't believe in that, but it's definitely, once you get into the little mountainous areas of Avalon, that's a place to kind of go check out. It's kind of cool, especially with Zane Gray. Now, Zane Gray is very popular with some people. Zane Gray certainly had a following. Uh, Zane Gray wrote uh, popular dime novel westerns, as I recall. Yeah, so it's a perfect fit, isn't it? (laughs) What's your favorite day that you spent on Catalina? Okay, so I've been to Catalina a few times. Well, this is going to be hard for me to answer what my favorite day is. I had two different Catalina experiences. One of them was camping with my sports team when I was a youth, actually, in uh, college, let's say. And my friend's parents took a, a huge group of people on their boat over there to Two Harbors, which is on the opposite part of the island, We got dumped off at the beach. We hiked it up to a campground. We spent the night there. We went snorkeling, and it was super fun. Flash forward 20 years, and I took a completely different trip to Catalina Island. I stayed in a five-star luxury hotel. (laughs) I went on the underwater submarine with my kid. I went on a family trip over there. So it was two different experiences, and both of them were super fun. If you're in Avalon and you're there with a family, then it's super fun to just hang out by the beach over by the green pier and rent an inner tube and just kind of hang out. The kids love to go in the water. It's fun to see all the activity, all the people coming in to the port with their dinghies and their dogs. And that's fun. The miniature golf was super cool. Now people are probably thinking, miniature golf? Really? I can go do that anywhere. 
What I loved about the mini golf course on Catalina Island outside of Avalon or in Avalon was it was like the, a sustainable story of the environment of the area. So each hole had a story and all the stories sort of blended together to tell the story of the environment of Catalina Island. So that was actually really fun. So for example, hole five would be... It would be the highest point on Catalina Island okay. or Got it. that kind of stuff. It was kind of fun because if you're on Catalina Island and you're with a family and you find yourself at the mini golf course, you're going to be kind of like, oh, really? I'm on vacation at mini golf? But then you're like, wait a minute, this course is really nicely landscaped. They've taken it to that next level. They've really blended the environment into the activity. And that's kind of typical of Catalina where there is just the right mix of old and new with in the middle of everything being this respect for the environment and the whole sustainable sort of story that the island really is. It doesn't have to pretend to be a sustainable eco-resort because it just is, because it is an island. It's very rugged. It's seasonal. The people that live there year-round, they live there for a reason. It's just a slower pace of life, yet it has modern touches. I'm a, I'm a water person. I tend to do any activity that is honor by the water so when there's a kayak or a hiking trail near the water or a snorkel or a boat or swimming pool those are the types of things that I like to spend my time doing and I can certainly do that on Catalina one thing about Catalina we talked about the weather in California being the June gloom, so mm -hmm. foggy in the morning and then blazing hot in the afternoon. That is what people will find, especially on the interior of the island. So be prepared to go from all those different extremes. Layers. Definitely layers, lots of water. I do think that it would be super fun to go to Catalina and go on a two-and-a-half-day hiking trip mm -hmm. on that trail that connects both parts of the island together. That would be super fun. You can take the ferry boat from Avalon and then get it from the other side at Two Harbors. So that would be okay. a fun idea. So those are the things that I like to do. And we get into the bonus round here where we have more a series of questions like any place stand out in terms of places to eat. And that can include places you would take a kindergartner. Okay, one of the places that I would go is the Antonio's Pizzeria. It's just a half a block away from the bay. Mm -hmm. This location, it's inexpensive. It has great pizza, pasta, the rest of the Italian works that people might be looking for. But what I liked about it is that it had sort of that red checkered Italian motif with a huge buffalo head right there in the middle of the restaurant and lots of peanuts for people to eat and then throw the shells on the floor, which for some reason I think that that's kind of fun. That's a great place to go. Now, another place uh, along the wharf area, there's restaurant after restaurant after restaurant after restaurant, and all the restaurants do have menus posted so you can see what sort of food you're looking for. Since it is a seaside type of experience, you can always find some good seafood, but to be honest with you, I think that they're probably bringing the seafood in from other places, so I'm not sure they're actually catching lobster there. The Descanso Beach Club I mentioned earlier, that actually has a nice place to eat. 
The Catalina Country Club, this was a fun place to go to. It was up the road away from where all the tourists are. It has sort of a casual pub-like environment, and it's not very expensive, so I like that place too. So those are my top picks for Avalon. Okay. Before we wrap this up, any last-minute suggestions of things people should know before they go to Catalina? Well, when you go to Catalina Island, make sure that you figure out ahead of time what version of your vacation experience that you're looking for Mm -hmm. because there is something for everybody. You need to make sure that you address sort of those needs ahead of time because if you want the five-star luxury experience scaled down, then that's one version of the vacation experience. Another version would be to get off that beaten path and to take advantage of the interior and the ecosystem and the different opportunities to connect with nature. So figure out, first of all, what it is that you're trying to accomplish from your vacation because you're not going to – the person that wants to go and relax at the Chase Lounge at Descanso Beach Club is not going to be the same person that – wants to go on a 10-mile hike to find the buffalo. So know what you want to do when you go there. Don't spend a lot of time there. Just try to plan for, I'd say, three days. People that want to go there for longer, they tend to do everything in three days anyway, and then they, you know. Well, I sort of walked away with that if you're interested in an active vacation, then spend another day or two if you just want to sightsee around the town that's a day trip so it really depends on how interested you are and if you're an active person probably there's more to do you know i suppose i didn't really even do justice to the fact that there's the entire other side of the island which is called two harbors and over Mm -hmm. on the other side of the island it takes a little bit longer to get to but it has way more of a laid-back feel Avalon is the most popular place to go, which offers access to a more active vacation experience or more of the luxurious vacation opportunities. Two Harbors on the other side of the island, it has less things but more nature, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. So I didn't even get to really talk about that. And the Catalina Island Conservancy, that organization has done so much for educating the traveling public on the environment and they have the trail system all figured out and they have eco tours that they offer and they have those volunteer vacations so that is a fantastic resource so i really don't want people to think that avalon is the only place that you can go on Catalina island because that's really not true avalon offers a visitor the most access to all of the most common amenities and activities that people are looking for. However, just getting off the beaten path and going beyond Avalon is going to allow you to really get into sort of that unplugged vacation experience that some people are looking for. Other people want to be entertained and fed, and certainly you can do that, and your best bet for doing that is going to be an Avalon. But for those people that want to get into those kelp beds and really go into the nature, then a little extra research and to figure out the best water activities, the best land activities in combination with the Catalina Conservancy are going to be the best ideas. Okay. Last two questions. You really know you're in Catalina when what? You know you're in Catalina when the dinghy tie-up spot has a traffic jam. (laughs) Okay. And if you had to summarize Catalina in three words, what three words would you use? 
I would use rugged, okay. green, okay. and marine. Okay, excellent. Carrie, thanks so much for coming on the show and telling us a little bit about Catalina. Where else can people read about your travels? Well, they can go to cruisebuzz.net and find out more. And they can actually find out what I did when I spent a couple days in Catalina in conjunction with a port guide that I was writing. Excellent. And I'm guessing they can find out about longer cruises than you've done to just from Los Angeles to Catalina. Definitely. Mm-hmm. There's <laughs> lots of great information at cruisebuzz.net. Excellent. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I can't wait to see your photo of you and your buffalo. (laughs) In news from the community, Janet was going through some of the back catalog of The Amateur Traveler and found episode 272, Volunteer Travel to West Africa, Sierra Leone, and Liberia. And she wrote this. Please, could someone direct me to the resources I need to volunteer in Africa? I do not qualify for the bigger group's as Peace Corps or Mercy Ships due to age and medical history, I'm ready to devote my life to volunteering in Africa, preferably Sierra Leone or Nigeria. Any help would be appreciated. Thanks in advance. So if anybody has any resources for Janet, why don't you post those on episode 272, Volunteer Travel to West Africa. And then I also heard from Eli, who said, Dear Chris, I've been listening to the podcast for a while now, and I really enjoy it. I just listened to the Bali episode from a while ago, and I was curious. You have over 300 podcasts, but only one dedicated to Indonesia, the fourth biggest country in the world. I think another one about Java, Sulawesi, Maluku, Papua, or anywhere in the country would be cool. Thanks for the great podcast, Eli. I agree, but I haven't been to Indonesia, so if someone would either like to send me to Indonesia or volunteer to be a guest to talk about those destinations, I'd love to hear from you. I am always looking for guests for the show, and there are a number of places we have not talked about, despite the vast number of places we have. So if you look at the map, amateurtraveler.com slash map, and you see a place that doesn't have a pin in it, or if you can go into more depth for a particular city, for instance, within a country that we have covered, just drop me an email to host at amateurtraveler.com and we can talk about what it takes to be a guest in the Amateur Traveler. And the answer is not boatloads of money, but just some dedication to do a little homework. If you go to the Amateur Traveler website here in the next few days, you may see that some of the photos are not mine. The daily photos of the day, I've gotten a little tired of mine, and so I've been soliciting photos 1,000 pixels wide from listeners to the show who would like a few seconds of fame, being the daily photo at AmateurTraveler.com. Check out the details of the Facebook group, facebook.com slash amateurtraveler. With that, we're going to end this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email to host at amateurtraveler.com or leave a comment on this episode at amateurtraveler.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. I got to see one more cathedral.